Welcome to Meet the Developer at the Apple Store, Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, music and technology journalist, Stuart Dredge. Hello, hello. Cool, thank you for coming. Um, I am a journalist from The Guardian and Music Ally. I write about apps and music. And we're here today to hear from Shazam, who are one of the most interesting companies across both those industries. Um, 350 million people have used their service. Um, and so, yeah, they're one of the kind of the British success stories. So I'd like to introduce to the stage Will Mills, who is VP of Music and Content at Shazam, who's going to tell us about the history, how the app works, and where it's going next. Hi, Stu. Hello. Ugh. How are you doing? I'm very well, very oh. well. We're both feeling like pop stars with our mics on our face. <laughs> we can work out as Britney or Madonna. Yes. <laughs> well, um, first thing I was going to ask was, and this is maybe an obvious question, how many of you um, use Shazam uh, at the moment? So that, there you go, you're doing, you're doing pretty well. Nice. Um, but I guess a good place to start would be to talk about what Shazam is, where it's come from, uh, and how people are using it, and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, well, it sounds like a lot of people here already use the service, so I won't get into too many details. But Shazam, for those who don't know, is an app on, on your iPhone or iPad or other smart device where you, which you can use by pressing one button to identify and engage with music or media around you. So we have two apps on, in iOS, one on iPhone and one on iPad. Um, that is free. And then we have another one called Shazam Encore, which is a paid-for product as well. Um, what else would you like to know? Well, I guess, so I mean, I, I remember Shazam before it was an app. Yes. So you've been around before the App Store, before iPhone, uh, and it's evolved. So tell me a bit about the history and, and how it's... Yeah, sure. I mean, Shazam was launched to the public way back in 2002, which is very much uh, ahead of its time. Uh, I joined 2003, uh, and in those days of feature phones, you dialed 2580, the, the numbers on the middle of your handset, and you got a, an SMS text message back that told you the, the song... The song title, uh, we added so you could buy ringtones, but uh, it wasn't until the advent of the App Store and the iPhone uh, and other smart devices after that, that was a real transformational moment for Shazam in terms of user growth, uh, you know, the number of people using the service. And prior to that, we'd focused on a lot of B2B, kind of doing deals with Vodafone's O2s and, and the American equivalents to sort of power their music recognition services. But the App Store really was a pivotal moment for us as a company that made us into a brand and put us in the hands of hundreds of millions of users. Okay. So in terms of how it works, if I use Shazam, I hear a song, I don't know what it is, I tag it with Shazam, it tells me what it is. How, what are the moving parts behind that? And how do, how, do you, how do you fit in in your music team? What are you doing at Shazam to kind of help all this happen? Yeah, sure. I mean, at a very basic level, what Shazam does, it, if you see a waveform in GarageBand or Pro Tools, what we do, we plot a fingerprint from that, and that's our, our own sort of native technology that can only be used for, for recognition. So uh, myself and the team in, in the UK and the US, we're, we're very much involved in, in one of the key pillars of what we do is, is building out that music database by partnering with major labels, independents, tiny record stores, music consultants all over the world, just to make sure that whenever people are using Shazam, whether it's in Singapore or Salford here in, in the UK, that we have uh, you know, as much of the new music around the world as possible. Um, we also do deals with, with bigger kind of follow-on content partners as well that power the service. Um, myself and the team, we did the deal that puts ticketing in Shazam, so you can buy tickets when you've, you've Shazammed a song. Uh, and we also do a lot of deal, uh, uh, promotions with some of the world's leading artists and record labels worldwide, where you, when you shaz use Shazam, you can win a trip, for example, to go and see Coldplay in Rio or fly to New York to meet Ellie Goulding, uh, or get free tracks or, or other kind of uh, deal offers like that. 
Okay, so kind of record labels are working with you, not just to kind of say identify tunes, but marketing stuff. Yeah, I think it's very much Shazam's moved on from just the name that tune start side of things into very much it's you know it's a one button engagement. It's it's a lot easier than web searching or trying to type something in. You just literally press one button and you can engage with content around you wherever you are in the world. Um, primarily music, but we've also recently extended into TV and, and advertising. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's that's it in a nutshell. It is speeding up that that relationship between yourself and and, and the world around you. Mm -hmm. So I guess your job is to make sure that when someone tags something, they don't get a blank result back, even if it's a new song or, or yeah. That, that that's very much one of the metrics myself and team are, are judged upon, um, and that's you know very interesting. Music's a, uh, an ephemeral, very fast-moving place. There's an incredible amount of music that's kind of outside the digital players and ecosystems. There's a lot of vinyl-only music. There's a lot of scenes that don't even release music digitally. So, yeah, it's always very hard, uh, fast-paced and an exciting place to work. Okay, grand. One thing I forgot to say, actually, was we're going to have questions a little way in. So if you're thinking of something to ask um, in about sort of 10, 15 minutes, we'll be ready to put them to, to Will. But first, I get to be nosy a bit more. I mean, no worries. Stats. I mean, I mentioned that I think it's 350 million people have used the app or used the service since it began. That's correct. What, what else is going on? How many people are using it? Now, what are they doing? How many tags do you get a day? That sort of stuff. Sure. Well, there's 350 million users we have to the service. We have over 70 million monthly active users on the service. They tag a, a massive 15 million songs and pieces of content every day. Uh, that equates to around over 5 billion uh, tags every year. Uh, we're rapidly closing on our 10 billionth tag as well at the moment. So um, uh, that will happen quite shortly. We're in 200 countries around the world. Um, yeah, and it all just keeps growing, going up and up. Okay, so I mean, in terms of what people are doing when, when someone tags it, because I, in the early days, you tag a song, you'd see what it was, you then maybe go away, you buy, might buy the ringtone or you might go home and look for it in a record shop. But what, what are people doing once they've tagged and how is that changing? Yeah, I mean, obviously one of the key use cases around music is identifying the music, but we've definitely moved beyond that now. I mean, using Shazam, just press one button to engage with music and media, it's definitely uh, a lot faster, and some people are just using that. They actually know it's Coldplay or, or the Beastie Boys that they're hearing, but they, it's just a lot quicker way to bookmark that music. Uh, they can obviously then just press one, one more button and tweet it out or stick it into Facebook, etc. Uh, you can also then search more information about that artist. It's, I guess it's building a sort of, uh, you know, a sort of scrapbook of, of the, the music and media that around you and being able to kind of catalogue that on your smart device. Oh. So people are sharing. I mean, I remember... Well, you remember seeing, I think I, I once went to a family party with, with the London, ah, South well. London's best 80s <laughs> wedding DJ, and he was playing all the 80s awful wedding songs. And I was using Shazam to kind of share the experience with friends in a kind of, I'm terrified. <laughs> that. But, but so people are using it not just, I don't know what this is telling, but they want to they share details. And yeah, I mean, it's just a lot quicker to press one button than, than type stuff in. I mean, never underestimate speed and uh, people's laziness <laughs> to get 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 quick quicker with, with how you how you work in your day to day. So that's one of the key the key key methods. And as we moved out more into TV and advertising, it, it's a lot easier to use Shazam to engage with TV or advertising than it is to do a web search or, or type it in a hashtag or, or any other text based means. Okay. So this is I guess jump forward a bit to T V. So so now I can use Shazam in my living room. I'm watching a TV show. And, I, and, it, and so I like to say, I, I know what it is because my EPG is telling me, but it's other stuff I can do with it. Yeah, so currently this is just in the US. So in the US, <coughs> if you use Shazam on any of the 160 channels there, you'll get an experience that will tell you um, what that show, show is, obviously, deeper content from, uh, from IMDb, uh, who the actors are in the show, etc., tweets, uh, and other social content going on around, the, around that show. So it enables you just uh, to, to, to just get a, a deeper experience around that show. One of the key... Um, sh 
shows it works really well, well around his cooking shows. So it's, a, it's a cookery show, you Shazam that, and it puts the recipe instantly on your iPad, so you don't have to remember what all, all the stuff is. So it's basically connecting the big screen on the wall to the device that um, a lot of surveys are saying about 80% of people are using their smart devices while, while they're watching TV. So it's connecting those two worlds, and, and that's a huge opportunity um, given how much of the eyeballs are moving from the big screen on the wall to the, the smartphone or, or iPad or iPhone in your, in your lap. Mm. I have entire evening-long arguments over whether an actress was in the bill of mm. Coronation Street because we can recognize it, we don't know. So that, that sort of stuff, like extra cast info and, and things. Yeah, I mean, some of, the, some of the bigger events we've done in the US, we did the Olympics last year. Uh, we powered the second screen uh, around that. We've done the Grammys two years in a row, likewise the Super Bowl in America. Uh, and obviously, T music is, is Shazam's bedrock and one of our big pillars in our history and, and music and TV and advertising indeed are kind of natural bedfellows. So it's very much a natural extension, uh, especially around music shows where uh, you know, literally millions of folks are going to Shazam anyway because there's some great music being played. So um, yeah, that's, that's a, a really interesting area. Mm -hmm. Grand. Well, look, I mean, getting back to music, because I remember two years ago at a music industry conference, your CEO was up on stage casually saying how many people bought songs through Shazam. Yeah, and the whole room went. <gasps> so I guess the surprise is ruined now. But oh. how people who are tagging songs, how many go on to buy them? How's that growing? Because that seems like a very interesting area. Yeah, it's certainly growing. We we, we drive over half a million downloads of Alacart downloads every day, and that equates to around three hundred million dollars in in sales every year. And that's actually a really huge piece when you look at Alacart digital sales in total. It's something about three point six billion, I think. So three hundred million is clearly a huge. Uh, part of that, and when you put that 300 million onto mobile, it's obviously a, a bigger part of that pie as well. So we're really excited about that, and we're, we're great friends and, and relations with the music industry, and are always trying to work out ways we can kind of do more together to create more value together, to create better experiences, to make sure the content's in there faster, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, so that's kind of, I mean, I'm trying to do sums in my head, and I'm not really a mathematician, but that, that's not far off one in ten songs. Yeah, digitally, uh, there, uh, thereabouts. Yeah. Okay, blimey. I mean, that's, I mean, on an industry level, the last 10 years the music industry have been worrying about piracy, people still buying music, but I guess you're seeing people are still buying music then from their phones. Yeah, I think if you make it easy for people to, to, to you know, if you've, you've heard a great song and you're able to press a button and buy it for a pound or a dollar, for, for most people that's a bargain, and especially when you put that in the sort of mobile sort of world and, and you're on your device, it, it just ena enables you, it reduces that friction uh, and for most people, especially around hit records, uh, you know, a dollar or a pound is, is a bargain. And, you know, there's been a sort of flattening of prices of albums as well in, in that area as well. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's certainly a, something that's set to grow. Mm. But people, I mean, people still, I mean, I remember, I remember going to um, music stores when I was a teenager, listening on listening posts and impulse buying songs. Yeah. So people are kind of impulse buying now, but it's because it's playing on the thing and they, they can take it. Yeah, I think it's that, and it's also at home. You know, a lot of our users Shazam from the radio. They Shazam from the TV as as well. Um, we just launched a new feature in the app in the in the last release uh, th this month, where you can select multiple songs, click and buy. So you you may have Shazammed a ton of songs off a TV show or out out of clubbing, and that way you can press that and actually buy like eight or however many you want in, in in a row. So that's a really interesting feature as well. We've had auto tagging as well launched on the on the iPad as well. That automatically tags content around you as well. So that's, uh, that's a really good way of just, just reducing the friction uh, and increasing the amount of uh, interactions you can provide for people. Okay, so that's basically your tablet or your phone sitting there, tagging everything it hears, and yeah. then what, you go in afterwards and you see the list or? Yeah, it appears at a carousel. So if you've got an iPad, you can download and check it out now. 
Um, it appears a carousel at the top of the screen, basically, there. So if you switch on auto tag on, on the top right there, it will do that. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, I, I guess the other thing is you have these 10 million tags a day? 15. 15 million, so that's right. Um, that's a lot of data. So you must be able to spot what people are tagging, trends. I mean, do you, do you spot music that's coming up before radio knows about it, or what are you kind of finding out from your users? Yeah, I mean, Shazam's chart, we published our chart, pre-release chart, we call it in the UK, because we have the concept of songs going to radio and then being released. In the US, it's just called the new release chart. We've published that in industry publications uh, around the world, and that's very much become a, uh, a really important metric for the music business in the kind of build-up of a record. Uh, and having a high position on that really shows radio programmers, A&Rs, marketeers that your record really is reacting well. Uh, and every year in the summer and also at Christmas, we look at all our data at uh, a quantitative level and we also add a kind of, uh, sort of qualitative level and sort of pick out what tracks are sort of trending on Shazam. Uh, and this year's Sound of Summer, right at sort of the end of spring, we picked out uh, Robin Thicke, uh, Daft Punk and Passenger. Um, as our top three in that chart. And all three of those have gone on to be absolute monster hits worldwide. So that was really fantastic to see. Um, here in the real, here in the, the, the real time uh, of now, this week, uh, there's a track by a New Zealand artist called Lord, uh, which is a song called Royals. That's actually really trending up on our US chart. And it's number one, actually, in our Australian chart. So look out for her as an artist. She looks like she's going to break. So it, we have a really good history. Um, I think because when you're shazamming a song, it's not like you're idly clicking a web link or you're doing something. You've had to take out your phone to engage with that, that, that music. So it really is a, a really qualified statement of intent around interest in the music. And I think that's why its data is really good at, at, at predicting these, these, these trends and sales. Because mm. I'm boggling at Robin Thicke, because I mean, I, the, video, I, the, the video was the thing that made everyone start talking about it in what, last month? Uh, people, yeah. were, people were tagging it. Months ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we sort of noticed that along. He's actually been around for a long time, Robin Thicke, as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, been a big hit. Right. So, uh, before we go to questions, I mean, uh, there's a lot of talk about how people are going to get music now, and, and, and streaming music is one of the things. So, Apple are bringing their iTunes radio here at some point. Mm -hmm. um, you've got Spotify, Ardia, all these companies. I mean, does, does Shazam fit into that world, too? It's not just about people buying stuff? How are you... Yeah, I think streaming music is definitely going to be, you know, it's, it's a growing part of how people are consuming music. You mentioned iRadio coming on board there, Audio are a partner of, our, of ours as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a part of the music mix of how people sort of consume music. But I think we shouldn't forget, well, one, it's pretty crazy in 2013 that physical music is actually 50% of the music business. Um, a la carte downloads are still huge, probably about 40% or, or thereabouts. Uh, of the total music business revenue, which is massive still. And I think a la carte downloads solve a real problem on, on mobiles and tablets because they get rid of the, the network connectivity issues. Mm -hmm. So, and if you look at some of the sales stats of big hit singles, they're selling sort of double digit millions. So, although in sort of catalog and albums, there's been a, a lot of attrition uh, into, into the more the streaming side, I think hit singles are still continuing to sell really well. But Streaming is obviously going to be a big part of the future or growing part of the mix as well, but it is, is a mix. Yeah, so I guess you, you are the middleman there. You're not dependent on any one model that you can adapt to. Yeah, I mean, we don't have our music store. We're obviously partnered with iTunes, uh, Amazon, various other folks. Um, but, you know, we, we, we're, we are partnered with lots of different services. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my last question is kind of what's exciting you at the moment about the future. Um, I mean, I wouldn't expect you to give away all the future Sazam features for the next two years, but 
What what stuff? How are mobile phones evolving? That's exciting you. How are tablets thing? What, what's on your kind of radar? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hugely exciting services out of them, and a lot of them are kind of niche kind of plays that could be quite interesting. I mean, the 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 most obvious ones are pretty obvious ones like 4G, uh, faster processors, you know, bigger screens, cheaper devices. I think the kind of most like yeah, the more the even more obvious than that is just the actual the actual room for smart devices, iPhones, iPads to grow. Um, you know, we're only just at the beginning of this. I mean, mobile web traffic is probably about 30% of the whole mix. And, you know, it's not going to be very soon before mobile um, access to the internet is actually bigger than fixed line through your laptop or your PC. So um, that's hugely exciting for us as Shazam, as a, a mobile first or indeed a probably mobile only company, um, because we, we, this is our, our backyard and this is where we, we operate. So. That for us is, is probably one of the most exciting, the, the growth of the actual mm. space, the smart device and iPhone space. Mm. And I guess, I mean, is that, that giving you some kind of, some fun challenges? Like, for example, if a million people in Russia start using Shazam tomorrow, presumably a lot of developers would say, right, I need to translate my app into Russian. But I guess you have to fly off there and, and make sure you have all the labels on the, the music and, and Yeah, I mean, we're, we're already a few steps ahead there. But yeah, I mean, trans obviously you've got to translate and localize apps. That's, that's a key part of, of, of any product. Um, Having the music database is, is a critical piece of the success as well. So we're, we're very heavily invested in, in that around the world as well. Mm -hmm. Grand. Well, I mean, we have two microphones and we have about 10 minutes, I think. So does anyone have a question for Will, um, for the audience? Uh, one over here. Hi. Um, you're turning into like quite a serious music provider business and giving young artists and all artists ways of getting their music heard and downloaded. Um, the last people that did that was someone like Live Nation, who turned into a serious music brand through concerts. Is there any sort of motivation for you to go into management in any way and actually take artists in-house and provide Shazam as a label and not just a way of getting music? That's a very interesting question. So um, we've had, we are probably our closest sort of uh, uh, re uh, relationship with artists like that. We have uh, live sessions in our office, much like uh, you do here at iTunes um, and other places where artists come down and play. And we've had people like Emily Sunday, Rita Ora, Passenger, Catherine Jenkins, come in and play uh, live sessions, which we then um, promote through the app itself. In terms of we're probably not going to get into the, the, the talent management business, um, but we are a very big uh, distribution uh, channel for music, as you state. Um, we think there's a lot of great music management companies out there. We, we, know, we know a lot of them. And there's a lot of great services out there for new mu musicians as well. We're partnered with a lot of them, like CD Baby, TuneCore, various other ones that help people get their music out there. I think it's a very interesting time for young musicians now. The, the tools, if you look around here, all the iMacs and everything else, have, uh, and I, even iPads, have never been cheaper to be able to make, create music, edit amazing uh, video. But it's never, it's never, it's probably been even harder now because of the noise and the number of artists to cut through. But having said that, I mean, Lord, Lord A's, who I just mentioned there from New Zealand. I think if people, if you're doing something that's great, you're not, you're always going to get discovered by a manager or a record label eventually. But yeah, I, I don't think it's on our roadmap to get into uh, talent management. Are you, are you an artist? Oh, OK. <laughs> I think you're going to sign in there. No, well, I, yeah. I don't know where I was going. <laughs> I think there's a question along here, in the middle. Uh, so, so back when you started, in, in well, you, when you joined in 2003, how did you convince like a big record label to actually partner with you and get access to their database of tracks? Like, How do you convince them that you guys are worth the time? Yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah, it would took quite a bit of convincing. <laughs> this is the uh, short answer. So um, way back when, 2000, uh, that sort of time was probably just as the internet was hitting in terms of peer-to-peer -peer file sharing, etc. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, the music industry at that point was was sort of riding high on the hog with with CD sales and uh, and reselling its content again. But you know, it was just we're based in London. We're we're, we're a London company, and fortunately, you know. 40% or thereabouts of the world's music business is also based here as well. So we were able to spend a lot of face time with the presidents and, and leadership of, of different record labels. And, you know, some of them thought it was great back then. Some of them didn't really care. But um, most of them are, are pretty pretty heavily interested in, in what we do and how we can work together now. I mean, I guess as a, as a, as a well, you're not a startup anymore. You can't be a startup after nine years. But do you, do you see the music industry as much happier working with startups and technology companies than maybe they were nine years ago when it was still a bit frightening? Yeah, I mean, I think the the three majors, well, there was five back then as well. So, um, yeah, they've, you know, they've obviously got their digital game, you know, pretty tight now. They've got whole teams of people focused around this. They're obviously invested in a lot of the digital services uh, and innovating themselves and creating their own services. Vivo in video is one that's driven out of those guys. Um, Clique in South Africa is another one that's driven by Universal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those guys themselves have, have very much got the bull by the horns, I think, with the digital services. Mm -hmm. Are there any more questions in the crowd? I mean, one of my, one of my nerdy questions is I always wonder about samples. Yeah. And if, you're, if you've got a song, if you've got like, um, say, Kanye West sampling Daft Punk. Yeah. Is that something that's been a... A problem to solve for Shazam over the years, like how do we tell what's a sample versus what's a song? Yeah, no, I think with that specific example there, Kanye sampled harder, faster, better, stronger, but he time stretched it, put a pretty big beat behind it, and also is rapping over it. So that creates a whole new acoustic fingerprint. Mm -hmm. So songs like that in general aren't really a problem. Sometimes you have bootlegs where they literally play an unaltered piece of the, the song just completely with nothing else done for like, you know, several seconds. Sometimes that very rarely can cause a, what's called a false positive, um, but it's still not it's actually a false positive because you are identifying that song as, as what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but that's got less and less because most people who, is, and a lot of samples now are replayed as well for rights issues. So to get around paying the label, they'll get the sample replayed. Mm -hmm. So that automatically creates a, a new acoustic fingerprint. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's no danger of getting back something. Com I mean, have you ever, was there ever times when you've had wildly inappropriate stuff coming back and you're not sure why? Or um, no, well, I wouldn't have thought no. so. No, I mean, obviously, with a lot of there's been we were talking about this in the office the other day. Uh, there is, uh, you know, there's a lot of songs out there that have explicit lyrics mm. and uh, pieces like that in there. So you, you know, I think iTunes ex explicit previews has a little warning button on there if, if you're about to hear that. So you obviously always have age-restricted content, but I mean, Shazam a lot of the time is, is limited to where music's being broadcast, be that radio, TV, nightclubs to a, a degree as well. So in general, people aren't dropping the F-bomb every uh, five minutes on Radio 1 or KCRW. <laughs> it's, it's, it's their bigger problem than yours if they are. True, yeah, they, they get in more trouble than we do. <laughs> okay. And I guess, I mean, this is kind of a possibility thing, but have you ever, have you ever looked at things like live music? And, and, and stuff where you, uh, and that's a whole different kettle of fish, I imagine, to try and sure. identify someone playing a song live versus a recorded version. Yeah, that. well, we actually solved the live problem last year. So when we did, oh, sorry, two years back when we did the first Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So to do the second screen engagement at the Super Bowl, and we also did around 30% of the ads at the Super Bowl and Madonna's halftime show. So we were very much involved across the whole live program of it. So for that, we had to solve live recognition, quote unquote. So we had the feed coming in, mm -hmm. and you were able to fingerprint that in real time. And also for our TV service in the US, that works on the same technology. So theoretically, yeah, that is possible. Mm -hmm. 
So you're down to me singing in the shower and... and uh, everyone will want to buy that shit. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's going to be what we launch with. No one wants to hear it. So. <laughs> I, mean, I guess the last thing I was going to ask you was, was about um, apps. Because at the moment, Shazam is Shazam the app. Yeah. But you mentioned in the old days you used to work for people like Vodafone doing their music recognition. Yeah. In the future, do you think we could get apps like iTunes, like Spotify, like Audio, where mm. Shazam's part of that? Or do you think it'll always be its own app? I mean, I think we've very much become a brand now and, and we're very much the name that's referenced in, in that space. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the API strategy might be re-looked re, re at uh, and I think for certain partners it'll probably make sense. But some of the integrations we've got, notably iTunes uh, in, in, in the tickets world as well, we've got such a seamless integration mm. that actually between, I think consumers are quite used to using their own native apps uh, and they like an app that does what they know it does. So I think sometimes apps have tried to be, you know, a Swiss army knife or, or, or all things to all people. And, and it's better to do one or two or three things really well uh, than to try and do a myriad of, of different things. And, oh, we can also do this, like the guy who opens his thing with all the things for sale. I don't know where I'm going with that analogy. But, well, uh, we are near, we are, we, we are near <laughs> Oxford Street, though. There's a few. Oh, ones. yeah, that's where I'm going with that analogy, yeah. I mean, it's actually one last question. You mentioned ticketing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, recently I've been writing a lot about stream music and people like Tom York coming out saying we're worried about artists making money from their music. Yeah. So ticketing seems interesting. The idea of I've heard this song and I can see them live. Is that something that's growing? Are people, are people buying tickets when they tag people? Yeah, I think it's very much a growing... It's early days. I mean, the ticketing industry goes about $23 billion a year industry. I think around 10% of that's transacting on mobile. So that's pretty huge. That's $2.3 billion. That's getting close to what a la carte downloads are. It's early days, though, in that space. And I think a lot of the big players are starting to mobile optimize. Um, the thing about ticketing as an industry, it's quite a, a unique industry that the demand curves very wildly. You can have a one direction or a U2 go on sale and there's just this huge like spike, everything's sold out. I mean, secondary's kind of flattened that demand curve a little bit, but... So um, that's, that's when you buy other people's tickets or you buy... Yeah, so, yeah, secondary we resale market. Um, that sort of flattens the demand curve and, and, and enables a bit more, you could do a bit more in technology. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the presidents of one of the big uh, live companies, I think mentioned that all ticketing was going to move to mobile and it, it, that's maybe a, a bit... Uh, Bit, bit bullish, but it's certainly going to be more than 10% of tickets are, are, are transacted through mobile devices. That, that's obvious. I think there's been some historic challenges. Obviously, you're typically transacting on a high value considered purchase. You want to see if your wife or your, your partner or your buddy can go with you to the show. Um, are you free that night? So I think a lot of those, those bits are being solved now, but clearly a lot more of those sales are going to move over to the, the smart devices. Yeah, I suppose in a sense, you mentioned like going to see Coldplay in Rio, the ticketing can fit into that too. So. Yeah. If it's a One Direction not on, going on sale, if you, should, if you tag them, you might be able to get early tickets or that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, all the fan club sort of pre-sale access. I mean, that's a key value add, and um, yeah, that's what a lot, a lot of services are doing as well, and fan clubs themselves. I remember seeing Twitter on the day the One Direction tour went on sale, and there was such fury because people couldn't get tickets and they were trying. So it's a yeah, I mean, it's a problem it, to be solved. I it's guess. a. I mean, I think the ticket they've been looking at demand pricing, which is like the airline where the ticket price goes up. Where, where they they're, still, they're working on it. I think and they also have the challenge that they have incredible amount of um, pirates trying to buy up their ticketing stock the whole time as well. So, Okay, grand. Well, I mean, are there any more questions from anyone sitting here? Um, otherwise, I'd like to say thank you very much. Um, thank you. We're here afterwards, and, and thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks.